This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The Judge Effect. That's the nothing personal word of the day for Thursday, December 8th, 2022. The Judge Effect. Aaron Judge signs for $360 million over nine years. He's still a Yankee. You know exactly what happened. Then after he signs, rumor comes out that the San Diego Padres were a last minute entrance into the Judge sweepstakes. The Padres seem to be in on everyone. It's the new way they run their team. Oh no, strike that. It's the old way they run their team. They are the Dodgers, the Mets, the Phillies. They're so busy trying to be a large market team and a large revenue team. They're so happy to tell you that they have a waiting list for season tickets. They capped season tickets. They drew 3 million people. I could draw 3 million people if I charged everyone 20 cents. The gate revenue for the Padres under no circumstances, the TV deal for the Padres under no circumstances, nothing about that business allows them to be in the conversation for the top five payrolls in Major League Baseball. It's just not supposed to be that way. But you get a GM, A.J. Preller, who could care less about money. You get an owner, Peter Seidler, who's too happy to chase down the dream of a World Series, thinking that free agency is the way to do it. 
You hire the Wild West GM with no scruples, brings in Will Myers and Eric Hosmer and Craig Kimbrell, then jettisons as many of them as he can, starts over, then re-signs people, gives Machado $300 million over 10 years when no one will, trades for you, Darvish, gets Blake Snell, trades for Juan Soto. They're in everything. The joke within baseball at the winter meetings this year is that the San Diego Padres are like cockroaches. Everywhere you look, there they are if you live in a condemned building. If you live in a good building, if you live in a nice place where you actually use bug spray and exterminators, you never see them. If you leave trash all over, then they're everywhere. And that's what the Padres are. They offered 400 million over 10 years to Aaron Judge. Horse hockey. I want to hear it right now from the Padres or Aaron Judge that he turned down 400 million over 10 years. I'm not buying what they're selling. Trying to make Judge look like he took less money to go back to the Yankees. He didn't take a dollar less than what was offered by another team. Go ahead. Give me the information from a first source that the Padres were willing to give him 40 million a year for 10 years, which is just adding the extra year to what the Yankees did. Oh, but Aaron Judge said, no way. What do I want that for? Okay. So the Padres are me. In 2012, wake up one morning having offered Albert Pujols $203 million and say to yourself, wow, we got that money. Let's go. Let's spend it somewhere else. Let's find other free agents. We can do it. Have you ever done that with your own budget? If you have a budget where you're expecting to buy something and they're out of it at the store, you go to the store to buy something. They don't have exactly what you want. And you say, all right, I'll get something else. You may not love it as much as the first thing that you wanted, but it feels damn bad to walk out of the store with money burning a hole in your pocket. All of Vegas was built with people with money burning a hole in their pocket. Half of Black Friday and Retail Thursday and Cyber Monday or whatever they're called, it's all people saying, oh, let's take advantage. Let's spend the money. We were going to spend it anyway. When you're going through the budget process of your company and your boss comes up to you and says, hey, where's your budget? And you see a line item that you didn't spend the last year. You put it back in the budget for the next year. You don't save your owner money. You say, hey, didn't spend it last year, but we'll sure as heck spend it this year. So the Padres are walking around saying, all right, we didn't get judge for 400 over 10. Let's figure out how to bring in a player and totally screw another team. I get that because that's how I used to be. It's a good way, right? If you can make yourself stronger, make another team weaker, you're in. Wake up this morning, Xander Bogarts, the Boston Red Sox shortstop from Aruba, the Boston Red Sox shortstop who's been damn good every year he's been in the game, plays almost every game, doesn't get hurt, produces, has power, Average defender, but way above average close eye, way above average all-around shortstop. The only negative to him is he has Scott Boras as an agent. Wake up this morning. Padres have signed Xander Bogarts. Wait for it. 11 years, $280 million. Have you heard that before? Trey Turner went to the Phillies for 11 years, $300 million. 
11 years, $20 million difference. By my math, that's not even $2 million a year difference. The Trey Turner contract looks brilliant compared to the Xander Bogarts contract. It is an overpay in every way, and here's why. Xander Bogarts is going to be 40 when that contract ends. I must sound like a broken record to all of you. I'm going to try to get more inflection in my voice. I must sound like a broken record to all of you. Here's why I sound that way. Because all of a sudden, owners have completely disregarded one of the absolute analytic facts of baseball. Players who are 37 and older suck. Period. They are not who they used to be. They are past their prime. They've learned time and time again that if you sign players that age, they will not produce at the level they had been producing in the past. Guess who got a 10-year deal ending at age 40? Albert Pujols. Guess who else? Miguel Cabrera. Guess who else? Hey, Mets fans, say it with me. On three, we'll say it together. Come on, Koki, you're a Mets fan. Ready? Turn on that microphone. One, two, three. Robinson Cano. Yeah, you're still paying Robinson Cano, Mets. Forget Bobby Bonilla. You're paying Robinson Cano this year, and it's the final year of his regular deal. How's he doing? Oh, he's a steroid guy. Well, a steroid guy would mean that he'd be good. Well, he got caught, but you might as well keep going. You've only been caught twice. Next time's a lifetime. Maybe you do stop if you're Robinson Cano, right? Because why give up the last year of your contract just to play one more year? Coca did a little math for you, a little research. For those of you into war and having a season of six plus war, which is a damn fine season, I'd like you to name the players who have had a six plus war season when they've been 35 or older in the last 20 years. Go ahead. How many? All right, ready? Barry Bonds, three of them. Steroid, steroid, steroid. Chipper Jones, two, Hall of Famer. Adrian Beltre, two, Hall of Famer. Larry Walker, one. Derek Jeter, one. Manny Ramirez, one. Okay, let's be clear. I just named six players who have had good seasons after age 35 in the last 20 years. All of a sudden, owners, when presented with this analytic fact, say, nope, not my guy. Trey Turner, Jacob deGrom, but those are pitchers. He's a pitcher. Verlander, Scherzer, pitchers, position players. They're going to do it. That's the rationale that front offices use. We're smarter than you are. So here's what we're hearing about the San Diego Padres this morning. They're protecting themselves in case Manny Machado opts out after next year. Let's remind you what the Padres did just a few years ago. They're the only team who was willing to hit the bid for Manny Machado. He wanted $30 million a year for 10 years. No one was going to give it to him. The Padres said, we're in. Manny Machado took the microphone in the press conference and said, I like their minor league system. I wanted to sign with them. We know, of course, that's not true. He goes to the Padres. Now, all of a sudden, he's saying to himself, holy crikeys, it never occurred to me that I would opt out. But now I may opt out after next year and get another nine-year deal because he'll be 31 next year. 
and I'll get another $300 million maybe or $280 million. Great. But the Padres are going to let Machado go, the best player on that team? All right. Bogarts, shortstop, $280 million. Wait a minute. The Padres have a shortstop. His name is Fernando Tatis who they gave $340 million to, who's now suspended for steroids. He's got injuries to his shoulder, his wrists, his knees, his toes, and most importantly, he's not beloved in the clubhouse. No problem, they'll trade him. Nope, untradeable. Great, we'll move Tatis to the outfield. What about Kim? They're above average shortstop who played last year. No problem. Move him to second base. We've got it figured out, A.J. Preller says. What about Cronworth? No problem. Move him to first base. Remember when the Padres signed Eric Hosmer? How happy you all were? Couldn't wait to get rid of him at the end of his deal. So they've got Jake at first, Kim at second, Bogarts at short, Machado at third, if Machado leaves, you move Bogarts to third, Tatis back to short, everything's coming up roses. That's the rationale. GMs, you're gonna, they're going to be all over the media today. It's going to be so funny. Coco, wait till you watch it. All these people who are signing all these big deals, the teams say, oh no, it's different. The reason we know our players are going to last so long is that these guys are extraordinary athletes. That was on page seven of the Scott Boris 200-page book that was given to teams about Xander Bogarts. This is a generational, once-in-a-lifetime talent, and he only eats vegan. And if you only eat vegan, you're going to be good when you're 36 years old. Because when Jeter and all the others, although he had one season, but when all the other old players were old, we didn't know anything about nutrition or staying in shape. These guys didn't work during the offseason. They didn't do anything. Revisionist history is used to try to explain actions of the present. Revi say it again. Revisionist history is used to try to explain irrational actions of the present. So you'll read all sorts of stuff. Stop complaining, David. You're a hack for the owners. I'm not begrudging the players the money. I'm asking the process. What makes the San Diego Padres think that this is their moment to catch the Dodgers? Because that's what they're going to think until they catch the Dodgers. The Dodgers, who are waiting to see whether Trevor Bauer's money is on the books or off their books, the Dodgers who are waiting to figure out what their actual luxury tax payment is going to be, actually have an interest in staying actually have an interest in staying below the Steve Cohn tax. Just to remind you of what the Steve Cohn tax is. That is the fourth and highest level of what's called the competitive balance tax, the luxury tax. If you go above this tier, which baseball assumed maybe Steve Cohn would, but hopefully no one would. If you go above that tier, you are going to pay almost dollar for dollar. It's like the luxury tax in basketball, almost dollar for dollar. If you're a recidivist, meaning you've done it more than once, more than twice, more than three times a lady, then all of a sudden you are paying such a ridiculous amount of tax that the view of the owners during the negotiation was NGTH. It's just not going to happen. Well, the Mets are already there, by the way, and they still have deficiencies. The Yankees with Aaron Judge are getting closer 
And guess who has the third highest payroll? The San Diego freaking Padres. Hip, hip, hooray. Juan Soto is going to be a free agent after two more years. Maybe they'll let Machado walk and sign Soto to couple him with Bogarts. Hmm. No. You can't have that many position players making that much money as a part of your payroll and expect to win in baseball. You need pitching. By that time, Darvish and Stella will be gone. They'll have to figure out where their pitching is, and I don't know where it's going to come from. Maybe they'll hope one of their young pitchers, like the Marlins' young staff, are going to be performing major league players before they hit arbitration, match them with the high-salary position players, and you got yourself a winning team. I'm sorry for fans of the Marlins. I'm sorry for fans of all the low-revenue teams who feel like they have no shot, who have no hope going into spring training, who have seen the disparity in payroll grow in a way that Bud Selig warned us about, in a way that Rob Manford has decided to completely ignore. What he didn't count on is what the ramifications would be of the higher-valued assets that are owned by these owners. I want to go into that a little bit here. When you have teams that are all bought for $100 million, $200 million, $300 million, the group of owners are in a position where one of their biggest investments, if not their biggest investment, is their team. One of their biggest sources of wealth is the money generated by their team. You've got the ego premium. You lo- Owners love to fly privately. They love to be in owners' meetings. They love to be in the news. They love to get into restaurants. They love to sit courtside. But at the end of the day, they were rich, but not billionaires. There used to be only a couple billionaires in baseball as owners. The, the richest owner when I started was a guy named Carl Polad who owned the Twins who were about to be contracted because their payroll was so low because they were in a stadium that didn't generate enough revenue. Their TV deal wasn't large enough and he became a billionaire by not losing money every year. And Bud Selig would always say, my job is to make the value of your teams higher. He and Rob have done so well at that, that these teams, other than the Marlins, are changing hands. And I say that because Bruce Sherman so badly overpaid for the Marlins. And if he could get that money again, he'd sell it right now. But he can't. But there are teams that are trading for an amount of money that I don't believe Selig or Manfred ever could have anticipated. When you've got a team selling for over a billion dollars, and there's a bunch of teams for sale right now, Orioles, Angels, who Rob Manford said will sell by the beginning of the season, the Nationals, when you've got teams for sale and they're going to sell in the upper ones to $2 billion at a minimum, the universe of buyers becomes Balmer. Balmer is my word for billionaires, Balmer, Bezos, billionaires, When you buy a team for that amount of money, that's because you are worth 20 times that amount of money. When you're worth 20 times that amount of money, the value of your team, you are more than happy, more than happy to spend money on your team because you realize that what you want is to just have a chance and then win a World Series. You can wear that ring and have it forever. When you buy a team for $200 million, you're not worth $4 billion. When you buy a team for $2 billion and you're worth $22 billion, 
it doesn't much matter if you have a payroll of 300 or 270 or 240 or 330. And so what's happened is the top of the market in terms of owners has now bled down to where the teams with these owners who have money burning a hole in their pockets are being spent totally irrationally. So the judge effect was the word of the day because judge not going to the Padres made Scott Boris damn happy. The Padres signing, Bogart, signing Bogarts made the Stan Caston and Andrew Friedman and the rest of the Dodgers not very happy. What the Padres are doing, what the Yankees are doing, what the Phillies are doing makes about 24 owners unhappy. And the majority of those owners are the older owners, not just in age, but in how long they've held their team, who know they have no chance, zero chance to compete for these players and have to turn around and answer to their fans who don't care a lick about the wealth of the owner, the profitability of the team. They only care about being left at the altar when it comes to free agents. Look at John Henry. The Red Sox have a day yesterday. They bring in Kenley Jansen. They give him two years, 16 million a year, which is one year too many, but good. Jansen, Jansen had a good year. The pause at the in his windup drives me crazy, but he's a good guy in the bullpen, a rebuild bullpen. And then they go out and sign the most expensive Japanese player. This is yesterday. The most expensive Japanese player ever to come to the U.S. Masataka Yoshida got... $90 million for five years. He's never taken an at-bat in Major League Baseball. Now, he's an MVP and a World Series winner in Japan. Played for Oryx. MVP winner, five foot eight, Just a few inches taller than I am, but he can hit. He's an average fielder. He'll go right into left field. He'll play every day. The real cost of him was 90 to him, plus 15 to the Japanese team who posted him. So you're investing over $100 million dollars. That's not nothing. But the Red Sox fans wake up today and Yoshida and Jansen became Farrah Fawcett. Google it if you don't know that reference. Nah, don't Google it, I'll tell you. Farrah Fawcett died, tragically. The pinup woman, the actress, if you don't know Farrah Fawcett, then you've never seen a red swimsuit. And the day she died, it was she was being celebrated everywhere her life, and she was going to be on the cover of People magazine. And then all of a sudden, Michael Jackson died. Same day. Look it up. That was the end of Farrah Fawcett. That was it. She had a news cycle of about an hour. What should have been a great day for the Red Sox, a great day for their fans, went up in Cheech and Chong smoke. You know what I can't wait, Coco? We didn't plan for this, but I'm going to give you a wait and see. I'm going to do an early Padres wait and see again. I did it last year, and it was an absolute win, and I'm going to do it again. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. When it does, we revisit it. When it doesn't, we revisit it. Don't worry, we keep track. The San Diego Padres will not win the National League pennant. Period. Wait to see. So we mentioned the Dodgers a little bit. People are wondering, what are they doing? Why aren't they in on these players? And I've told you how, Adri how Andrew Friedman is. He gave that big contract to Mookie Betts, but he does not like going 
many years out for pitchers because he knows very well it's not going to work. There are very unique athletes who he thinks can perform late in their 30s. He believes Mookie Betts will be on that list with Jeter and Ramirez and Beltre, etc. He obviously did not believe Trey Turner would be as much as it hurts to lose Trey Turner. But one of the things that's not being talked about enough, and we did talk about it last year, but need to bring it up again. It's impossible to run a team when you don't know what your own payroll is. Remember my briefcase, my black bag on wheels that I would roll around and I'd keep payroll in among other documents. And I'd have the one year, the three year and the five year payroll. And I would know where all players are being paid, who we have guaranteed money to. I cannot even fathom if I had uncertainty in that briefcase. That briefcase is full of certainty. Now you may say to me, but David, you projected out arbitration players. How would you know what they're gonna make? And I would tell you the way we did our payroll projections is we assumed the best possible season for each pre-arbitration eligible player. So we assumed that they would be at or near the top of their class. And that's the number we would put in to our document to show what our payroll was going to be. The Dodgers have a player that no one's talking about anymore named Trevor Bauer. It's possible they owe Trevor Bauer 30 million a year. Maybe he'll get back pay for the years they haven't had to pay him. And that money goes into their luxury tax calculation. And he goes on their team, which I told you he'll never play for them again. So he's just a release. But as Mets fans know with Cano, when you release a player, their money still counts. As the Marlins know with Wei Yin Chen. Yes, I'm still sorry. Damn Boris. So if you're wondering why the Dodgers haven't made big moves, it's because they don't know their payroll. Do they feel left behind? There'll be plenty of players left for a smart team like the Dodgers to make a team that will still be better than the Padres. But yesterday, the darndest thing came out. Word began circulating that the Dodgers were not interested in Boris's client, Carlos Correa, because Dodger fans wouldn't want Carlos Correa because of Correa's role in 2017 in beating the Dodgers in the World Series while pounding on garbage cans, to which I respond, horse hockey. Carlos Correa, you're going to love him if he's a Dodger. He is one of the great guys off the field, on the field, great talent. The problem is he's not worth what Boris wants him to get. You don't give Correa a 10-year deal if you're the Dodgers because whoever gives him that, it's a bad deal. You don't give Correa a nine-year deal. But now Correa has been promised for a second year in a row that that's a deal he's going to get. So why not just go out if you're the Dodgers and tell Boris to go pound sand and explain why you're not signing Correa and it has nothing to do with fans. And the reason is that if Correa does not find that long-term deal with one of the other teams like the Red Sox who just lost Bogarts or the Twins who claim they want him back but are never gonna give that kind of deal to Correa, then Boris is gonna have to pivot yet again and talk to his disappointed client yet again and take a short-term deal the way he did with the Minnesota Twins. And if Correa is a short-term deal candidate, then the Dodgers are going to be all in on that. He could go get 150 over three. You'd put Correa above judge right now. The Dodgers would offer Correa 135 over three, 45 million a year, no problem. We'll beat Judge, we'll beat Scherzer, we'll beat um, Verlander. Happy to do it. 
But nine years, not a chance. But having words sort of percolate that it's about the fans, there is no front office who does not sign a player because of fans. There are some front offices who do sign a player because they think, wow, let's bring in a Cuban player. That'll be great for the fans in Miami. Some teams do that. Nobody does it because, wow, he was hated. Do you know Dennis Robin never would have been a Chicago Bull if that's how teams acted? He was hated. You always hate the opponent until he plays for you, and then you love him. We'll see what happens here. But the winter meetings have come to a close. That does not mean signings have come to a close. Baseball continues to work at all times. They work Christmas. I promise you that. All right, Coca, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to review a movie that I'm going to ask you to see. And then we're going to talk about the Chicago Cubs. Not exactly sure what they're doing, but I may have some thoughts. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425, right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And maybe someone can explain to me how lesser channels have like 100,000 subscribers and we've got 10 plus. Come on, just hit subscribe. We know you're watching. We know you're listening. It's just one extra like touch. All right. I was told to watch a movie by one of you. Please keep those suggestions coming. I told you on my phone, I keep a list. I keep a list of what you tell me to watch and I get to it as quickly as I can. There's so much content out there. Netflix has a new movie called The Swimmers. I watched it the other day. I don't remember what day. It could have been yesterday, it could have been the day before. The Swimmers is a story about two Syrian refugees who were Olympic swimmers who escaped Syria and made it all the way to Greece and then to Germany. It's played, the roles are played by two real life sisters, 
but here's what the story's about. The story's about something that made me uh, hurt. That's not figurative. My tummy was hurting while watching this movie. And if I'm gonna suggest that you have a stomach ache, I better mean it and the movie better be worth it. The story's about what happens, and this is not a political statement. The story's about what happens with refugees. We all have heard about, and if you haven't, read about what's going on with Syrian refugees, the millions of Syrians who are trying to escape the nightmare that is Syria and how they escape. We talk about it with Cuban baseball players who jump on a raft and risk death and anybody in Cuba, not even baseball players, who try to find a way out of the dictatorship out of the insanity that is someone who believes they know what's right for their people, but in fact, they only care about what's right for themselves. They don't care about anybody having a quality of life other than themselves. These refugees risk their lives and then they're treated like absolute crap by an overwhelming majority of the countries because there's people who say, we got enough problem with our people, we can't take any more other people. We are a world with borders, make no mistake. Berlin, Germany, when I was there to not finish the Berlin Marathon, the expo for the marathon took place at an old airport. This old airport right in the city of Berlin was used to house Syrian refugees when so many of them were making their way to Germany and they took them in. They had to reverse policy because they were being flooded in a way that was deleteriously impacting their economy, their their ability to provide services, and I get it. If you've got a leak or a a water spout that has been opened and it goes into one place, you are gonna get a hole in your lawn. If you spread it out like through a gutter and therefore it spreads out through your whole lawn, you don't get any flooding at all. So it all depends on not just the infrastructure, but the ability to spread out an issue. God forbid the world would work together to figure out how to take care of people, whether they're from South America, Central America, places in the Middle East, wherever they are, where their choice, Africa, where their choice is either to stay and die or try to leave and probably die and maybe make it for the chance of a better life or a life. We're not talking about a chance to be the wolf of Wall Street. We're not talking about a chance to, to run a baseball team or to play baseball, we're talking about a chance to live and eat. This movie goes through the story of these sisters. There's an Olympic team called the ROT, and I had no idea, the Refugee Olympic Team. And one of these sisters swam for that team and is doing it again. It's called the Swimmers. Check it out, please. All right, Coca. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's when you get on Twitter, David P. Samson, ask me a question, or go on Apple and write a review. Is that still a thing, Coca? We don't necessarily ask viewers to do that anymore. Is it still a thing to go on Apple and write a review? You can put questions in that way for either mailbag episodes or so you want to talk to Samson. Hi, David. Hi. Daily listener to NPDS. Thank you. Thanks for all of your insight. Thank you. And you're welcome. 
I'm curious what your take is on Bellinger signing a one-year deal with the Cubs. I would have thought with his age, he could have signed a multi-year deal, maybe with a smaller AAV, but with more guaranteed money. Do you think it wasn't offered, or do you think he's betting on a comeback year? Thanks. I love that question. Have you read about Cody Bellinger? Do you remember Cody Bellinger? The Dodger who was in all the commercials with Yelich because he was an MVP. And then he was hitting home runs. He was hitting for average. And he and Yelich were the two best players in baseball. Well, both of them have struggled since. Yelich is signed long-term, got the money from Milwaukee. Got a huge deal from Milwaukee. And Yelly, this is not personal to you. We just were in touch for your birthday a couple days ago. But those deals... You got to be right if you're a team like Milwaukee. You deserve every penny, but clearly the performance you'd agree you've had the last year or two is not worthy of the contract you signed. But believe me, if anyone has the ability to rebound, it's you. Because I've lived with you. I know you. Cody Bellinger, I've never lived with. But Bellinger is no Yelich. Bellinger's performance fell off a cliff. Bellinger became a platoon, was benched by the Dodgers. Bellinger was not even worthy of a qualifying offer by the Dodgers. Bellinger has Scott Boris as an agent, and Bellinger has been told every year of his life, you are going to get a 10-year, $300 million deal. I'm there for you. I promise. The Dodgers, they're too smart. When it was time for the Dodgers to move on from Bellinger, they were fine. That's what being a good executive is. You get rid of players when they're no longer productive at the level of their salary. And if they're not signed long-term, you can get rid of them for nothing instead of releasing them and paying them. So Boris takes Bellinger to market and convinces teams with another 200-page book, listen, Bellinger is the Rookie of the Year MVP guy not the one who has not been performing for the last few years. Give him the long-term deal. You're going to be so happy with him in the clubhouse. Look at the batting average of balls in play. Look at analytics, but look at the man himself. And you are doing something very smart. Not one team said yes. Not one. So what do you do if you're Cody Bellinger and your agent has been pumping BS into your brain? You take the one-year deal. It's noteworthy that the one-year deal the Cubs gave him is lower than the qualifying offer, which was about 19.6. He got about 17 and a half. That's why he didn't get a qualifying offer, because he would have accepted it, because no one was going to give him a long-term deal, and that's why you accept a qualifying offer. So the Cubs are in a very interesting position. They had Theo Epstein. He disappeared when the Cubs were retooling. Jed Hoyer was there, got promoted. He's now running the baseball side. And the Cubs have said, we're now ready to add to our team. We're ready to win. Whether they are remains to be seen, but let's just take them at their word that they're ready. Bringing in someone like Bellinger on a one-year, $17 million deal is the definition of no risk. The equivalent was only 15 years ago or 17 years ago, the Marlins, we brought in Al Leiter, a one-year $8 million deal. That's about the same as this year, a one-year $17 million deal. Or Pudge Rodriguez, a one-year $10 million deal. That's about the same as a one-year $25 million deal today, just 
whatever discount rate you want to use to make that statement correct, please do. Don't at me with a different discount rate. Say, no, no, you're wrong. 10 million in 03 is 26 million in 2022. Don't care. The point is one year deals are brilliant because you can't lose. If the player stinks like Al Leiter, you get rid of him and you're none the worse for wear the next season. If the player's great, you get a ring and you let him go somewhere else. If the player's great and you can afford him, you sign him to a long-term deal the following season. There is zero downside. I love the Cubs trying Bellinger out because they'll discover either that the way he's been for the last couple of years is the way he's gonna be, or he's gonna revert to what he used to be. Doesn't matter. Nobody was giving him two years. Otherwise, guess what? He would have taken two years. If he had been offered two years at $11 million, $22 million, he would have taken that over the one year at 17. Here's why. This is Bellinger's last chance. If he has another crappy season, he's not going to get a one-year $5 million deal next year. He'll get one laden with incentives, but he would be like scores of other players who have a chance to be great, show signs of greatness, and then fall off the map. They just disappear into thin air. Of course, Boris told him to bet on himself. Aaron Judge bet on himself. He got $147 million for betting on himself. Cody Bellinger will not get that. Thank you for that question. All right. Nothing personal pick of the day. That was an easy one, wasn't it? We are 142 and 119. We're doing well, Coca. The Knicks absolutely crushed the Hawks. The Knicks are not a better team than the Hawks. They're just not. Remember the story we told you about the Hawks? Wait, did we get to a Coca or did it make the rundown and we didn't talk about it? Did we talk about the Trey Young, Nate McMillan issue? We did? Okay, I don't remember when. So there was that problem between their best player and their coach. And I think we had to wait to see that their coach will not be their coach next year. And their coach came out and said, everything's coming up roses. We're all good. We talked about it. And I promised you there's nothing good. Things don't get solved in one day like that when you've got a problem with your star player and your coach. Well, guess what? The Hawks are playing like a team who have a bit of internal trouble and it's bleeding onto the court. The Knicks crushed the Hawks. It's Thursday night football, another day without World Cup. And here's what we got. We got the Rams and the Raiders. Has there been a worse season in Coke? I'm so sorry I didn't bring this up either last night or this morning, but it just occurred to me. Has a super, a defending, are they reigning Super Bowl champion or defending Super Bowl champion? I think they're a reigning Super Bowl champion and they can only be a defending Super Bowl champion if they get to the Super Bowl and then they're defending champion. So has a reigning Super Bowl champion ever had a worse follow-up year than the Rams? Just curious. Well, the Rams have Baker Mayfield. So now they're going to get right back to the Super Bowl. They're going to be amazing. If you don't know who Baker Mayfield is, then forget it. Rams are getting six points from the Raiders. It probably should be more. We've done very well with the Raiders. Twice, two weeks in a row. Ever since Derek Carr cried, it's been fantastic. Devontae Adams is playing well. So the pick is the Rams plus six. 
because now these lines are all of a sudden assuming the Raiders have turned the corner and are way better than they are. It's too heavy. Take the Rams plus six. Okay. World Cup is off today. Starts again tomorrow. We got the quarterfinals. So many good matchups. But there's one story in the World Cup that has been fascinating me for a week now, maybe longer. And it's the story of Ronaldo in Portugal who was offered all this money apparently to go to Saudi Arabia. Then it was announced he's going to Saudi Arabia for like 150 or 200 million a year. Can you imagine Ronaldo paying Ronaldo? I think he's like 53 years old, giving him a hundred million to $200 million a year. It's so good, it's so good. And then word came out, no, no, he hasn't made his decision yet. And I told you in a wait to see that Ronaldo is not going to Saudi Arabia. So why is he still on my mind? Because Portugal played a game to get to the quarterfinals and they benched Ronaldo. The reason the coach of Portugal benched Ronaldo is that Ronaldo had done a few things the coach didn't like. Number one, he had gotten into it with one of the South Korea players during a game against South Korea. But way more importantly, Ronaldo, we're talking about Ronaldo, the number one most recognizable athlete in the entire world. He's number one. Debate me all you want. He's number one across the world. Not in the US, add up the whole world. He's number one. He was t substituted out of a game and he had some words with his coach and he told his teammates he was angry. What are you always subbing out for me? And you know what the coach did? He said, guess what? Screw you. I'm not playing you. He played him in the second half, but he didn't start him. Does that remind you of coaches in the NBA or an MLB when a star player doesn't do well and they bench him or they make him come off the bench? where they don't start him in Major League Baseball and pinch hit, have him pinch hit, and how rare it is for a team to do that to their superstar, to a mid-range player, you do it all day long. To someone no one's ever heard of, you do it all night long. But to do it to Ronaldo, do you know what Portugal has now done? They have put themselves in a position where they are a better team today than they were yesterday. Maybe a better team without Ronaldo? I'm not gonna say that. But when you show a team that you are demanding behavior and the same set of rules and rule following by Ronaldo as you are of a bench player on Portugal, you build camaraderie in that team in a way that is immeasurable. So Portugal scores a goal, Ronaldo goes on the field, celebrates, comes back to the bench, and then Fox shows a picture of Ronaldo and it goes viral because he's on the bench, not smiling. He's on the bench sort of looking around, maybe frowning, and everyone gets on Twitter saying, what an absolute POS Ronaldo is, not celebrating, not being happy when his team scores in the World Cup because he's on the bench. Such an example of social media, of photos being taken out of context. If you take enough photos of someone, I promise you'll get a photo of someone frowning if that furthers your narrative. If you wanna take a photo of a depressed person and you take a million photos, you'll find them smiling eventually, one frame, and then you can post that and say that's how he is. We've talked about how 
surreal all these social media sites are where you can't believe anything that you're seeing. Now networks are doing it too. The narrative is everywhere and it's created by moments and by photos that are not necessarily based in reality when the fact is that what Ronaldo happened to him in Portugal was good for Portugal and the way he handled it was just fine. It's too much. Portugal going into their quarterfinal match. Look for them to win that game. All right. That's going to be our show for today. There's going to be more baseball stuff because the season doesn't start until February. Wait, we're in December. We're two months away from spring training. Literally two months and a week. Hell yeah. San Diego Padres, I got one final message for you as it relates to the judge effect. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. You're a laughing stock, and I love it. It's just business. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.